Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. What is going on, everybody? Is yours truly Conor A.K. OK Fabe, and welcome, guys, to your to your October the first episode of the OK Fabe Show. Of course, right here on YouTube.com/slash OK Fabe, and of course, wherever fine podcasts can be found. We're of course on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts iHeartRadio and tune in. And thank you for tuning in to this edition of the OK Fabe Show. We're going to cover all the craziness and the chaos that broke down during the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. Last night was a very... Uh, all out there show, and I think that there was a lot of there's a lot to process. I mean, there's there's a lot to go through with Raw last night. I felt like the first half of Raw was very very solid. Second half of Raw was just wow, just a, again a lot to freaking process. At the beginning of one of the craziest weeks in pro wrestling history, with wrestling almost every single night, and we're gonna kick it off with this season premiere of Monday Night Raw. Now, before we get into the whole ordeal, review the entire show, you guys know the routine, you guys know the whole deal, I'd love to hear what you have to say about everything, so make sure you guys are hitting us up in the comment section, hit me up on the social media, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, uh, all that fun stuff, links as always are in the description box below. If you guys want to help with the uh, help to support the channel, help it grow even further, hit that sub button and the bell so you're notified every time we are dropping a video in your sub feed here on YouTube. And of course, make sure you check out the Represent Store for all the shirts and of course the Patreon page for all those perks. Check it out. Links as always are in the description box below. So, it happened. Season premiere of Monday Night Raw took place last night and it was one that had a lot of changes. And sometimes change is a good thing. Sometimes change is not a good thing. Uh, first and foremost, I figure we kick things off by talking about the obvious changes that were made to Monday Night Raw, specifically the announce team, the logo, the aesthetics, the new set design that a lot of you guys said to me on social media right before Raw went on the air. And uh, <clears throat> generally speaking, I do love uh, the new set design. I think it's really nice. A lot of people are calling it like a skate ramp, which I thought was absolutely freaking hilarious. Uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm referring to, Essentially, the, the 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 set looks basically like one gigantic titantron, and someone like rolled out a piece of toilet paper fresh from the roll. And not that it's an analogy of what happened on Raw or anything of that nature, but it it does look nice with the with the way that the titantron flows into the floor. I know that they've done that before, where they have like LED boards on the ramp, and I think that when they kind of get used to the set. A little bit more, you'll see more, hopefully some more originality rather than just like continuing color schemes. We kind of saw that with 
uh, a lot of the entrances going on on Raw were like it was just kind of like, well, there's not much difference other than just like look at like it's rolled out, but it's it's unique and I haven't seen the SmackDown one yet. So as long as that one's different, I'm all for the change. The other change was, of course, the commentary team. We talked about this on the Friday episode of the OK Fabe show last week where Vic Joseph, Dio, Madden and of course, Jerry, the King Lala wrong commentary. I have to say the commentary team is a mixed bag for me. On one hand, <clears throat> I do like Vic Joseph um, because he sounds like he's very uh, – he sounds like a sports announcer. And I, I could see why – I could sort of see why they made that change when I heard him more on Raw tonight. I mean I've heard him on 205 Live, but he's also not as intense compared to – and I know I'm probably going to get some flack for saying this. He's not as intense compared to, say, a JR or even Michael Cole. As much as people want to give crap for Michael Cole, when he wants to enunciate and really stress something, he can he can do it. And I think that that was very prevalent to when we see such a radical change with the commentary team on Raw this uh, last night. So it was uh, it was it was definitely a change. Dio Madden, I felt like, did not speak up that well. I felt it was mostly Vic Joseph and Jerry Lawler. And listen, Jerry Lawler, it's interesting. Jerry Lawler got a lot of flack uh, for being back on the announce team. And again, we talked about this before. The rumor is that it's supposed to be temporary. Lawler is saying otherwise. We'll see how how things progress over on the Raw side. Um, but it, but very little Dio Madden, which I was kind of a little disappointed in. I was kind of looking forward to seeing how he was going to contribute things from the from the play, from the uh, color commentator scheme. Lawler is <clears throat> obviously not the same Jerry Lawler that we all know and love from the Attitude Era, yelling puppies and things of that nature. Uh, he's definitely mellowed out and not the same Jerry Lawler that we all knew from back in the Attitude Era. But that's not necessarily a bad thing but again it's 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 a very strange combination so a lot of people obviously love jr and uh <clears throat> and jerry the king lawler during the attitude era and during even the ruthless aggression era as the, as one of the great commentary teams they put a lot of they put them usually up there with uh, gorilla monsoon and bobby heenan as far as my favorite teams uh for the announce team and obviously vic joseph is not going to live up to the standards of jr and i completely understand that but uh, it was a very weird dynamic because now you have a completely different Jerry the King Lawler, a guy who is still – a lot of people are – like myself – are still getting used to in Vic Joseph, and it's just a weird combination. I mean I kind of knew that on paper when they made the announcement, but just hearing it even more so. But I kind of dig Vic Joseph a little bit. I just I, – I need <clears throat> I need a little bit more time getting used to him. I need a little more time getting used to his style, but it was just a weird mesh, and, and hopefully as – you know, the shows progress on Raw, it'll hopefully get better. But enough about the aesthetics of everything like that. We talked about the entrance. Let's, we talked about the announced team. Let's talk about the show itself. So, of course, we see a brand new intro video. And, hey, the return of freaking Pyro. Granted, this would be the only time that we actually see Pyro in the entire show. Which, hey, listen, baby steps, people. We can't get Pyro for every single entrance. But, damn it all, if we're going to get it for at least the beginning of the show, then I'm all for it. So, of course, we see the new commentary team introducing themselves. And, of course, out comes Rey Mysterio, who is scheduled to have his universal title match later on against uh, Seth Rollins. So, of course, his son's Dominic is in the front row and he gets in the mic. He talks about who's going to challenge Rollins for the Universal title uh, later on and, of course, dedicates the match to his son. And then, <clears throat> as he's saying that we're going to take over home the Universal title, out comes, well, you guessed it, Brock Lesnar. He and Hammond get in the ring and Paul begins his usual intro, but Mysterio yanks the mic away and that doesn't really go over very well because, well, then Brock just attacks. Uh, Lesnar, uh, of course, uh, 
prowls as Dominic is just staring on outside the ringside. And then as Brock heads out to ringside, staring him down before, and I'm not even kidding here, yanks Dominic over the barricade, rams him back first in the post and slams him on the floor. Then he grabs Dominic in the ring, German suplex to him. Ray is trying to like slowly crawl onto Brock's leg to save his son, hits him with an F5. Lesnar and Heyman go to leave, but Brock decides he's ain't he ain't done yet, son. He's a, it's a season premiere. We gotta go all in or all out. Uh, <clears throat> hitting the big release suplexes on both men. Uh, road agents then come in and of course check on both of them as of course Lesnar leaves. Uh, he returns then and puts the boots to the agents before throwing Ray and Dominic around again. Then the referees swarm at ringside as Lesnar tears his shirt off, and of course we see uh, well a recap of that right as we come back from commercial break. God. Damn, what a way to kick off Raw. Um, <clears throat> so you have Rey Mysterio, who is the shortest guy in this whole thing, and and Dominic just getting absolutely brutalized by Brock Lesnar. And I loved every second of it. Um, I, I was kind of wondering where this was going to go, and, and I still have questions on where this is going to go exactly and why this needed to happen. But then again, if you're going to have Brock Lesnar challenge for the championship on SmackDown... You kind of have to have Brock do something, and we knew he was going to be in the building, and just figured, well, didn't think it was going to be that. <laughs> um, there's some pros and cons to this. Number one, I will say this right off the bat, Dominic took some fucking great bumps on that night. Absolutely fantastic. Dominic, I know, <clears throat> has been in training to be a pro wrestler like his dad, and he took the bumps like an effing champ. Like, kudos to Dominic on that one. Brock made it look good. Dominic made it look good. Ray being the smallest person out there, the dad trying to protect his son and couldn't do it, brutalizing him. I loved everything about this start. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great way to make Brock look like a dick. It created the whole dynamic and added another layer with the whole Rey Mysterio coming back because his son told him to scenario. Now he's going to feel guilty about it. It was a win across the board as far as I'm concerned. And honestly, might have been one of the highlights of the entire show. Uh, and this kind of sad, to, that's messed up thing to say that Brock Lesnar's beating up a father and son combination. But I think that's really the best... Uh, yeah, I think that that's really the the the, uh, the, the best thing um, I saw from the show. I'll, I'll go out there and say that right now. But moving on, um, I'm going to keep on talking about the next matchup we get, which is, of course, Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks. Now, this one uh, was kind of surprising. Of course, Becky Lynch joining on commentary. Uh, this one was a little bit uh, shorter than I expected it to be, even though we did have... <clears throat> a commercial break in between, uh, but back from the break, Alexa hits a low crossbody bank, rolls to the floor, catching her in the ring skirt on a baseball sign, so kicks her hard in the ribs. Uh, we see a little more back and forth between the two of them. Uh, we saw an insult to injury misses. Banks hits with a running knee, but that gets cut off. Hard palm strikes from Bliss, then Sasha shoves her away and calls for Bailey, but it was all just a ruse, a leg kick, a side press, and then, of course, uh, Sasha wins in the pinfall with a side press and a handful of tights uh, to get the victory. Of course, post-match, Becky just strides out on the stage and down the ring as we got ourselves a good old-fashioned cat fight. I'm surprised we didn't hear Jerry Lawler say more into this whole idea. Double-legged to ground and punches, rolling soul butt uppercut, Banks bails and runs away through the crowd. Becky then gets on the mic and asks where she's going before telling her she can run now. But come Sunday, she ain't going to leave the cell when, until she's done with her. She couldn't stop the carnage down if she wanted to. Sasha made it personal, but she's going to make it painful, and the retribution's coming around town because the man's coming around town. Uh, not bad. I, I, I kind of... Um, I kind of dug the Becky Lynch, or excuse me, I dug the Alexa Bliss-Sasha Banks match. Truth be told, I thought they'd give them a little more time, considering this is, there's a lot of, 
There's a lot of like build up going into this. I mean, granted, maybe not as much as say the Becky Lynch match at the pay per view, but you know, okay, sure. I mean, decent way, decent matchup, and but again, you know, bigger picture. Becky Lynch is right down the road, so for Hell in the Cell, it kind of made the most sense. Um, next up, we get, of course, uh, back from commercial break, The Rock coming at you on SmackDown this coming Friday. A lot of rumors on whether or not he was going to make his appearance on SmackDown, but lo and behold, the People's Champ has come back to the People's Show on SmackDown this coming Friday. Of course, Rollins is interviewed right after uh, after this whole ordeal, and he says he doesn't want to talk about Hell in a Cell. He's upset about what Brock did to the Mysterio family, saying that's a line you just don't cross. He doesn't know how to get a game plan for The Fiend, but the title means too much for him to go quietly, so he's going to survive, prevail, and keep the title. When Ray gets healthy, he's got a title shot coming, but he owes the W Universe a title match tonight. So they're going to get a title match against somebody, even if he doesn't know who it is right now. So Ray, at this point... Out of the title match because of the Brock Lesnar brutalized beatdown. Say that three times fast. And of course, we'll have Seth Rollins defend the title against somebody later on in the night. I wonder who. But anyway, in the meantime, we got tag team title action on the line as Rude and Ziggler defend against the heavy machinery, Otis, Dozovic, and Tucker Knight. Oh, sorry. They're just Otis, Otis and Tucker now. <clears throat> I, sound, I feel like that sounds like a great brand of grape jelly from a trucker stand, which I don't think I would ever buy grape jelly from a trucker stand. There's just too many questions. Anyway, this matchup was actually pretty solid, but unfortunately, it was not meant to be for my one of my favorite tag teams in WWE currently. Uh, of course, we see an interruption from Ziggler. Dove gets a spinning slam on, uh, and then, of course, a stinger splash as we see uh, Caterpillar coming back in from our good friend Otis. Uh, Robert floats over a slam, boots up in the corner off the second caught tag from Tucker Knight. Dolph cuts the compactor off with a zigzag and a super kick and hits another super kick for Knight. Rude runs in, hits the glorious DDT under Tucker Knight and gets a pinfall victory to retain the Raw Tag Team titles. Not too many shenanigans. Pretty solid action. I think this is honestly one of um, Heavy Machinery's better matches since being on the main roster. Um, again, as we talked about on the preview show yesterday, I kind of figured they were going to not win the tag team titles. I think they're still going to at some point. I just figured not now. Maybe we'll see a rematch at Hell in a Cell. Maybe we'll see a rematch right before the draft. Um, but I would not be surprised if the belts get put on them relatively soon just because they seem to be teasing that right now. But hey, Otis is a star. Who doesn't love the freaking Caterpillar? Um, but up next, we've got ourselves The Miz TV. Now, this is an interesting one <clears throat> that I could not wait to talk to you guys about. I couldn't wait. So, of course, Miz makes his entrance, does his run through, Miz TV introduction, blah, 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 blah. Flair then makes his entrance, followed by, of course, Hulk Hogan, who's, of course, accompanied by the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Miz soaks in the moment, of course, says, and um, and Flair says he's tired of hearing Hogan's music. But then Miz puts the legends over before talking up about the season premiere. Uh, then Hogan goes for a cheap pop and puts Rick over as the greatest of all time, letting a horse really bad woo in the process. Flair then calls Hogan the greatest draw in history of the company before saying that, but in the ring, nobody could touch me. And he won't take second fiddle to Hogan. And Hogan's like, sounds like you want one more run against these 24-inch pythons. And Rick takes off his jacket, goes to do the rope thing. And then Hogan does the whole pointing saying, you and please, for the love of God, do not have another Flair-Hogan match in 2019. I I'm sorry, but I was getting really scared there for a moment. I mean, look, we all knew that there was going to be some something was going to be announced during that segment. You don't bring just Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair onto Miss TV on the season premiere of Raw randomly for some reason. 
we knew we had to do something. And thank God Hogan was like, hey, we're not spring chickens anymore. So, I mean, I, but that doesn't mean we can't add a page to our legacy, brother. Um, which really, again, terrified me because I'm pretty sure at this point, and it's no disrespect to Hogan or Flair, if these two men were to go at it one more time, I, I just, I, I think we just see a, and they're just gone. They're just gone at this point. So instead, <clears throat> we see that <laughs> Miz making an announcement that at Crown Jewel on October 31st, All Hallows Eve, we're going to see a match featuring Hogan versus Flair, but not necessarily the way you would think. Instead, it's going to be a five-on-five team uh, multi-man tag team match, Team Hogan versus Team Flair, with each person, of course, being in their representative corner as their coaches. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I, you know what? I might as well talk about this right now because I have, I, there's so much stuff that comes after this. Why are they doing this now? I, I, I get at the at the end of the day why they're doing it now because they need a big match to feature Hogan and Flair, and it's two big names. It's Crown Jewel, it's Saudi Arabia, it's the Saudi Suite Super So Down. I sort of get that, but at the same time, it's also head scratching because you're literally doing this right before survivor series this feels like a survivor series match but then again it's random it's 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 made to to kind of just again five on five fun scenario at least seth won't have to defend the universal title that's if he is a universal champion after hell in a cell but anyway so as we get ready like soaking in this idea of this matchup uh, out comes Seth Rollins, who apparently is the team captain for Team Hogan. He says he's got a lot on his plate, but the five-year-old Seth would be kicking him in the shins if he didn't accept the honor and proud to be part of Team Hogan, brother. And then, of course, not too long after him, out comes Mr. Randall Keith Orton to be the team captain of Team Flair. I mean, come on now. I did love how Flair and, and Orton were kind of on the same page, former Evolution, of course. He says that he needs Seth's 100% undivided attention so he could just crawl out of Hogan's ass for a second, ask Flair for a woo, and he gets it. Explain they're going to pick their teammates over the next couple of weeks, but seeing as it's a season premiere and they're both in the ring, why not a captain's match right now? Rollins says, hey, he was looking for somebody to step up, so he wants to do it. Crew members then clear the ring, and of course, out comes King Baron Corbin to interrupt right before the match, coming to ringside, giving Orton a chance to blindside Rollins. Seth then laying punches in Corbin attacks with his scepter they put the boots to the champ but then and I can't believe I'm saying this Rusev makes the save he does a spinning wheel kick takes Baron out shoulder thrust block an RKO Machka kick duck a lariat Seth lays Baron out with a super kick and Rusev follows the Machka kick Rusev and Rollins stand tall as the crowd chants for Rusev and they head to the stage and pose with Hulk Hogan brother and of course uh, get a recap of what just happened with the Rey Mysterio okay so let me just make sure I get this straight um <laughs> Okay, well, actually, let me get to this part first. Of course, we see Rusev run into a backstage interviewer. He says, where is Lana? But he refused to answer. Asked what he hopes to do tonight. He says, he's not here to talk about his problems at home, but rather about Seth Rollins' problem at work. He was the only guy to step up and help him, so he knows Seth owes him a debt, and he's here to collect. He wants the Universal Championship match tonight. So we're going to get Rusev versus Seth Rollins for the Universal. Okay. A lot of things to process right there, Okay. We have the huge match made for Crown Jewel, which is still, it's just funny to me because that match just screams Survivor Series, and it's not at Survivor Series, and maybe that's just my mentality. Um, Rusev's a babyface now. So, Rusev's a babyface. 
I, I don't know how to feel about this whole thing. First, he was involved in the 24-7 thing with, with, with Maria Kanellis and Mike, and, and then he's the father of Maria's baby, and now that just seemingly dropped. Like, out of, out of freaking, like, what? What is going on here? Okay. Okay. R Rusev, like, there's, we, I don't know why he would come out to help. So, okay, let's just get this out of the way. Let's, okay, let's fine. Rusev versus, versus Seth. Okay, sure, fine. Okay, fine. All right, let's, let's roll on out on this one. And trust me, it's going to get weirder from here, folks. We get an we get an Authors of Pain video package, of course, very similar to what we saw before with them doing the interview in the dark, kind of looking like the twins from Breaking Bad. Uh, Viking Raiders then make their entrance that we get from going into the next commercial break as we see a rematch between the Viking Raiders and the OC in tag team action. Again, very solid matchup. Really love the last time that these two guys went at it. Uh, but it was not as good as the first time. I was kind of hoping it for it to be a little bit better, but, I mean, then again, we got spoiled with that great tag team match, but still pretty damn good match between these two teams. Once again, the victory goes to the Viking Raiders as we see a lot of... Um, uh, we're looking for a powerbomb follow-up. Ivar runs in and Luke punches him into the ropes, off the ropes. Big man suicide dive wipes Anderson out. Warbeard tags in up top. We get a 747 splash from Ivar onto Luke Gallows to get the victory for Viking Raiders. This is a match I would not mind seeing on a kickoff show. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but these teams have delivered every time they've got in there. And there's some legit, like, it, it's it's a it's fun match. It's like one of those things where like you put them together in the ring and you're not going to get a, a bad match between the, the four the four of these guys. So I'm just saying, throwing it out there right now, I would not mind seeing a third matchup between these two guys, giving them a decent amount of time as a kickoff match going into Hell in the Cell on Sunday. Just throw it out there. Suggestion for free. Boom. There you go. We've informed Brock Lesnar and, our, and uh, Heyman are still in the building, and they want to talk about what they did and why they did it. But then we get Cesar rolling up, saying there was nothing criminal about what Lesnar did, and he liked it. The only criminal is that he stole uh, his opportunity to beat the crap out of Ray's son. In fact, if Dominic was still here, well, he doesn't finish his sentence because Ricochet pops up and says Cesaro might be eight inches taller, but he's half the man Ray Mysterio is. He wants to keep talking about how big he is. He'll be waiting in the ring. Um. Okay, so we're going to... Measure cut. Oh, that, that's that's a little awkward. Anyway, Cesaro versus Ricochet was a little on the shorter side. <laughs> no pun intended, but it's still a fun matchup that I actually enjoyed. Uh, Ricochet comes in really head blasting strong. Of course, it doesn't take long for Cesaro to catch him and start utilizing some more of his power moves. Back elbow, monkey flip off the top ropes. Then we see a corkscrew. Tompongiro fired up right hand back inside for the second, and we get a backbreaker for a two count. Putting the boots to him, we see a follow-up, a reverse chin lock, pop-up, go to sleep, back and forth. Of course, just absolute craziness, and out of everywhere, springboard, dragon, Rana from Ricochet to get the victory over Cesaro. Fun little matchup, a little bit shorter than I expected it, but still a fun treat to see um, the, uh, the man known as Ricochet having some fun in-ring action with Cesaro. But then, we get my favorite segments of the show. Ah, the Firefly Funhouse. And truth be told, and this is probably going to get me some heat for this one, wasn't a fan of the Firefly Funhouse this week. And again, go home show, bigger things to, to take care of on season premiere and whatnot. But just not one of the better ones. Uh, we see Abby wearing a veil and laugh. And of course, um, it seemed like she's laughing. I could be I could be wrong. She was maybe scared. And of course, Huskus is eating cake and Mercy trembles in his box. Ramily Rabbit saying he's scared to death and then actually appears to like die. <laughs> um, but, but then not. it's not the first time that Rabbit's died. So we'll see him next week. Wyatt shrugs it off and tosses the puppet aside, asking what's up with everybody else. And Abby says they're all terrified of what will happen in the Hell in a Cell. And Mercy says it'll be horrific. 
of course, referring to the Fiend match with Seth Rollins. Huskus asks what Hell in a Cell is like, to which Wyatt says it's worse than World Without Chocolate, but to inf built to inflict pain and suffering, and you can enter it, but you can't truly leave without emotional and physical scars, and Rollins will be trapped in there with him. Bray says the Fiend will protect this place and them, and he knows he'll be coming back no matter what, but Seth may not be so fortunate. In fact, he's got a bad feeling that the Fiend can't wait to hurt Seth. Wyatt follows this with an idea, saying he's going to try and find the Fiend so he can tell him to be nice to Rollins. He runs off and then comes right back, laughing his head off, saying, eh, he's just kidding, and that closes out the whole thing. So, eh, eh, just not one of my favorite ones. Um... I feel like there are others that are so deep in their meaning and so much, you know, you look for all these hidden clues and mysteries and just not not saying I hated it. It was still fun to watch and still interesting to see these segments and what sort of things that Bray can actually do to bring out to build up certain things. Um, but just not one of their stronger ones, at least not in my opinion. But man, howdy, let me tell you about it, one of my favorite matches. And I'll, I'll just say this right now on record. This is the match of the night for me. This match right here is the match of the night for me. It's Ricochet versus, I'm uh, sorry, excuse me, Cedric Alexander versus AJ Styles for the United States Championship. If you guys have been listening to me for a while, you'll know that I've been saying that these matches with Cedric Alexander and AJ Styles feel like they're in first gear. Like we haven't gotten the ability to fully appreciate and get really into the nitty gritty of the two of these guys really going at it. But tonight on Raw, this to me was the best match of the night. Almost no questions asked. These two put on a fantastic match against each other. Great action, great psychology, constant near falls, amazing athletic ability that could almost not be matched by anyone else on the roster. I said earlier that the Brock Lesnar, Rey Mysterio, and his son getting beat up by Brock, you know, was the, the best segment of the show, and I still hold that to this day. Uh, but as far as the best match, this one is it. AJ versus Cedric is definitely, in my opinion, no questions asked, the match of the night for Monday Night Raw. I'm not going to go into too much spoiling other than obviously knowing the fact that AJ did successfully retain the title. I was very happy to see no club, no OC interfere. This was a clean match. No... um. No shadiness from AJ. No heel tactics. A good, clean match. Give me one more, man. Just give me one more like this, and I will be a very happy camper. Without, no pun intended, a phenomenal match for the U.S. title. You definitely need to go watch this one, for sure. We see our friends the Street Profits, of course, are backstage to answer the question of when they're going to be in action. Of course, they talk about Wednesday night on NXT when they go in the rematch with the Undisputed Era. And then, of course do this whole thing about like not saying the fiend's name three times like the candy man gotta be careful about that Lacey Evans versus Natalia in singles action a seemingly under you know underappreciated rivalry between the two females on Monday Night Raw uh truth be told I actually this matchup was okay it wasn't anything to write home about I I just felt like they were kind of I don't say rushing it a little bit but that's kind of the general sense I get was they was just a little bit more they could have done. I did love the ending where we saw Natalia basically trying to go for a sharpshooter, but of course Evans tries to kick her off, grabs the ropes, pull underneath the ropes on the apron ringside. As the referee's trying to pull Natalia off, referee's distracted. Lacey scratches uh, Natalia's eyes in order to get a distraction. Of course, hits an O'Connor roll and a handful of tights to get the win. And right after, because she's such a delicate lady, Lacey Evans decided to do a freaking woman's right onto Natalia just as she gets right back up after her loss. Um, not bad, but I do do like the fact that Lacey Evans uh, won this one if for any other reason than because she um you know if 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 Natalia won there's no payoff and then you're already you're already done with this rivalry so maybe with Lacey getting the victory here they can continue this rivalry a little bit further I think they can have good matches I felt like this one 
it wasn't my cup of tea, but I could see potential as far as them having better matches down the road if they can continue with the you know the way that things are rolling with this. Uh, but let's talk about what it continues on. We, of course, get a uh, recap of the Rey Mysterio, Dominic, and uh, Brock Lesnar attack. We see Heyman then gets interviewed right after admits that Brock Lesnar's actions were not uh, were wanted and reckless, but if you want to blame someone, blame Vince McMahon and blame management. Uh, aren't you Heyman executive direct? Never mind. Anyway, uh, he says... You gotta blame them for allowing him to be on the show when he's in fight mode. On Friday night, there's a lot of wannabe tough guys in and out of this industry, and none of them can do a damn thing about what's gonna happen to Kofi Kingston on Friday. Kofi can thank God every night for the power of positivity, but the devil thanks him for lining up victims like Brock Lesnar, uh, for Brock Lesnar, and this Friday on Fox, you'll hear the words, new reigning, defending, undisputed WWE heavyweight champion of the world, Brock Lesnar. So basically what Heyman was saying was, sorry, not sorry, which I freaking loved um we see maria canales gets quickly interviewed she says rusev isn't the father of her child and storms off then sasha rolls up and steals the mic from the interviewer saying to, to call becky out and says she's not man enough to uh, enough for her if you want to talk about carnage she'll show her carnage at hell in the cell when she makes becky uh, makes becky tap out as there's no man who's going to win her championship now two things to, to say right first and foremost right there number one rusev storyline with maria drop like a bad fucking habit just automatically just gone and i do have to appreciate that like random moments like that where like a storyline's like nah we're gonna just okay let's just roll on through second i love the idea of sasha grabbing the microphone mid-interview I, I don't know what it was it, it wasn't her promo herself i mean the promo wasn't bad but the concept of of Grabbing the mic mid-interview and not knowing where it's going to go from there, I think I like that because, to me, it creates a moment of almost spontaneity, and I kind of dig that. I kind of like that. If they do more things like that sprinkled throughout the show, hey, who knows? So, of course, we then get ourselves our main event, which, uh, oh, boy. Uh, strap in for this one, folks. This one is a doozy. So it's Rusev versus Seth Rollins. Circling as Corbin and Orton watch, Rusev shoots in and Rollins keeps his distance. Uh, kick to the midsection, off the ropes, jogging for position, ducks a super kick back in and out. So, of course, uh, we hit a follow-up slam. Uh, we see a commercial break as the Fiend's face flash before there. And by the way, but right before this matchup, we did see a limo also roll up uh, as we got right before this uh, Universal Championship match. Back in the commercial break, Rusev has Rollins in a bear hug. Uh, Seth breaks free, training elbows, Falcon Arrow blocked, but Seth floats over and low bridges. Uh, Rusev to set up a suicide dive, back inside another dive, back inside... Up top and perching, diving crossbody, but Rusev rolls through and deadlifts him. Impressive move by Rusev. Uh, Rollins managed to reverse only for a two. Um, they keep going at it back and forth, but of course, out comes. Uh, just as it looks like Rusev's about to get some victory here, elbow connects springboard into a Machka kick, but then out comes Bobby Lashley who had been injured for quite some time. He says he wants the title and gestures the entry behind him, and out comes Lana with him, Rusev's wife. Then, then they then make out on stage as Rusev looks on in disgust and despair. They keep making out as technically the match is still going on. And, and then, yeah, you figure it out. As this whole craziness with that's happening, the lights go out and the Fiend attacks Seth Rollins using a mandible claw to close out Monday Night Raw. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> okay, so first and foremost, Orton and, uh, Orton and, and Baron Corbin uh, watching the match from the stage, which, by the way, a lot of you sent me footage of uh, Corbin trying to sit in his throne and it just completely disintegrated, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Keep doing your thing. Keep sending me that awesome stuff. Second, um, so Lashley's back. 
Awesome. I didn't mind Lashley's heel run the last time. Lashley and Lana making out. So, so in one week's time, I just want to keep everybody game on the storyline ideas right here. In one week's time, we went from Rusev being the potential father of Maria Kanellis' unborn child and thus having some sort of bizarre love triangle, especially with Mori Povich possibly being involved, to it being instantly dropped, Lashley making his return, Rusev's now a babyface, and Lashley and Lana are apparently an item now. All I'm saying is history is not favoriting this to work out. We've obviously seen this before with the whole Ziggler thing and, and, and just, oh, I have a feeling this is going to go south really quickly. Hey, if this means a push for Rusev, I, I mean, I'm, I'm for it. I, I want to see the guy succeed. It's just, we've done this before. I, I mean, granted, you've done everything in wrestling before, but like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see how this all plays out. Raw to me was a lot of, it's the season premiere, let's do everything. That That's kind of the general tone I got from this entire show. It's new, it's fresh, it's hip, it's 90s, it's the new Monday Night Raw. New announced team, new challengers for the Universal Championship, new set, new design, new feel, new everything, except for Hogan and Flair. New almost everything. Um, New... And throwing everything to make like a bunch of things just happen for happening's sake does not necessarily mean it's a good thing. Now, was there good things to enjoy about Raw? Absolutely. To me, the first hour was very, very strong. I love the Brock Lesnar tossing Dominic. Again, big props to Dominic for really doing a good job selling those, those throws. Uh, and the best match of the night was that U.S. title match between AJ and Cedric that we finally got. I was very happy to hear about that and very happy to see that match happen. And I think that's not going to be the last time we see those guys go at it. I mean, we had the OC and uh, the Viking Raiders go at it one more time. That was another solid matchup. Ricochet and and, uh, and uh, Cesaro was, was okay. It wasn't anything to write home about, but still fun. Uh, tag team title match was also decent, but those were the big ones for me as far as things to enjoy about the show. The ending was just insane. <laughs> the ending of Raw was just one of the more chaotic things I have seen in quite some time. Now, granted, that could mean, you could interpret that a bunch of different ways. I can remember seeing a chaotic ending to an old episode of Monday Night Raw where just like, like everyone and their mother was out there just doing everything to do something before the show ended. And it was filled with a lot of intense action. And a lot of bills going into, you know, a pay-per-view. And remember, this show is the go-home show for Raw for Hell in the Cell, which sort of did its job. I think there was more focus on the season premiere than it was the pay-per-view, but that's, that's definitely not the focal point of the show, and I knew that going into it. But just, there was so much, I felt like they just threw everything against the wall. Some of it stuck, some of it didn't. You know, the whole Lana thing, I think that really the reason that I soured on it is because you have a almost a random scenario with Rusev helping Seth Rollins. And you go to a random scenario with Rusev challenging Seth Rollins. Then you get Lana coming back with Bobby Lashley. And then, you know what I mean? Like, it's just change after change after change after change after change. Like, in one night, a lot went down. Like, a lot went down. And there's a lot to process there. 
Could these storylines end up being great? Absolutely. But it's just a lot to mentally process right now. And that's the biggest problem that I think I have with this show is that there was a lot of there was a, a handful of very good thing, but man, there was just a lot to take in. If you miss this raw, there's a lot of note taking here, and trust me, I have a lot of notes to take here. Um, the Hogan Flair thing, I think that given the the, the circumstances, it's kind of like a roll of the eyes. Okay, like we know we know what the situation is, we know what the score here is with this, we know what the true intentions are for Crown Jewel, but overall, I think Raw as um, the best way I can describe it, as as raw as it is, I'd say it was an okay fabe show. I'd give it a middle of the road. I think really the Brock Lesnar and the U.S. title match were the really big saving points of this raw, but everything else was kind of up in the air. But maybe that's just me. I want to hear how you guys felt about Raw. What did you guys think of the show? Did you guys enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Love to hear your thoughts. Hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on social media, on the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun jazz. If you guys are new to the channel, hit that sub button. Hit the bell so you're notified. And make sure you check us out on all those audio podcasting platforms if you haven't done so already. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Tomorrow, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're coming back with another OK Fabe show. But this time, there's no SmackDown. So we're going to go ahead and preview both NXT and AEW's debut of Dynamite and take a look at those cards and see how those shows are going to go and who I think is going to win for the week. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch The OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fame Show.